Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast, Growling. It is a live room edition. We are kicking off. Paul Junior Jay Morrison of The Athletic chatting with you. Good to see everybody starting to file into the room. What's up, Jay? Good to hear you sounding a little closer to normal. Yeah, I am uh, Winnie the Pooh right now. <laughs> I'm straight like I have gone honey all morning i've got the hot i've been keeping the warm the lemon i have the warm water the lemon water with the honey combo has done very well we'll see if i survive through the rest of this but i am i'm feeling i'm feeling like i can pull this off i've been wanting to do it we need to talk to our people so here we are did, did you have to go buy honey or did you have honey on hand because i'm not oh, sure we, if i needed oh, honey i would We've got honey now. Come on. I'm actually, I actually, it's actually quite nice reminding me how much I like honey. I might just do this on a regular basis. Just, just chug honey. It's good. (laughs) I am. I'm telling you, I'm tapping into my poo bear here. I'm a big honey nut Cheerio fan, but that's about the extent of my honey experience. Maybe I'll have to give it a try. Give it. You, hopefully, you don't need to, but uh, <laughs> I will. I will stand by it. It's pretty. It's pretty solid. Um, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, we tried to kind of run the gamut last night on the walkout. Thanks to those of you that have listened to that. Um, so we, we, we're here to kind of go whatever direction you want to go at this point. There's a lot of injury stuff to kind of tap into beyond my throat. Um, we've got Tyler Boyd with the finger, uh, the dislocated finger that he has, uh, reports are, looks like it's going to be a week or two for him, you know, similar to the same thing, right? Mike Hilton, right? We just saw this, um, a couple of weeks ago where, had the surgery on on a dislocated finger, missed a game, uh, had a bye week, and was back. Now, different when you're not necessarily catching the ball all the time. Yeah. Um, so that becomes a pain tolerance thing. But we, we have kind of seen this before, so that's probably what we're looking at with Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. Of course, uh, didn't play with the, the hamstring thing. T. has this a lot. Um, he's, he seems like he's always kind of got a little bit of a, a hamstring or something that some soft tissue that he's kind of battled. So he's played and battled through this stuff before we'll have to, these things always, especially the way it was last week, see how you get through the week, right? I mean, we'll see how he comes through the week and how that hamstring feels and what he's able to do. Obviously be a pretty big lift, um, if they could get him back for the game against Tampa, We'll be also tracking Hayden Hurst. I think the thought was there's optimism that he could be able to do that. We'll learn more specifically today 
We talked to Zach Taylor about him, but I mean, the thought was that he might be able to work his way back before too long. So we'll see if that means Tampa or if it goes one more week. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. Trey Hendrickson, uh, the broken wrist report. Um, I mean, that's really uh, the big one that, that kind of comes out of yesterday could be a longer stint for him. Suggestion being that be back for the playoffs, but will it be before that? Would it be that Ravens game? You know, we'll see how, how he comes back uh, off of that. Yeah. Big, big blow. To, to lose Hendrickson. I mean, all these guys are important players, uh, but we've seen this team has, has done pretty well uh, depth-wise when guys have gone down. But that's an area, I mean, Trey is so good. The drop-off is substantial when you go to his backups, and they just they don't have really any proven edge guys. I mean, Sample's young, Osai's young. It's... You, they they drafted those guys for a reason, but they've yet to really kind of prove it on a consistent basis that they can do it. So that's going to really be one to, to watch because you you would think it's going to impact Sam Hubbard's production as well because just not having Trey on that other side, a lot of times the pressure gets pushed one way or the other, and those guys kind of clean up the other guy's pressure. So definitely uh, the biggest of the issues right now is Trey Henderson. Yeah, but I mean, this is why you draft Joseph Osai. Yeah. This is this is why you invest the pick in him. It's why you stick with him and and try to bring him along because you know at some point you're going to need him. And here it is, and we've seen this on the offensive side of the ball, where as guys have gone down, they've had young guys picked, and we've seen it on defense. Cam Taylor Britt, we talked to, you wrote about. Now, I hope people will go check and check out that story as we kind of see the evolution of him. Um, you, you see these guys kind of come into their own and, and Joseph Osai is the latest that needs to. He got the confidence from the big play that he had against Kansas City, the sack of Mahomes, and they need to get some more of that. I mean, with Hill, Reader, and Hubbard all playing so well next to him, it's, you know, in the the feeling of the drastic drop off is probably not as massive as it would have felt weeks ago, but you know, they're getting a lot of pressure from other areas too. They're not so Hendrickson reliant, which they really have been at times um, really relying on him being the one to start almost all the pass rush conversation. That hasn't been the case. And that's, that's really a direct result of DJ readers return and, and Hill. And obviously Hubbard is playing out his mind. I just tweeted this. I'm just going to go ahead and read it for those in the live room. Um, I was just kind of poking around through Sam Hubbard's sort of all around numbers. PFF has him now for 49 pressures, nine sacks and 30 stops. Now I'll even tick that down. Other edge rushers this year that have at least 45, eight and 25. That list Matthew Judon, Brian Burns, Miles Garrett, Max Crosby, Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa. Hubbard is in that list. That is elite company. That is all-around game-changing edge rusher elite company. Hubbard has been playing so good. He's been particularly a tour de force um, over the last six, seven weeks, and um, it continues. So what what he's – all that kind of combines to say, okay, you can – you can make up for losing Hendrickson even as good as, as he has been. Um, all right. 
that kind of runs through some of the injury stuff real quick. We're happy to get into whatever you want to go to. You want to talk more injury stuff. We want to, I see some Pratt conversations in here. I see, um, Tyler boy, I see all kinds of stuff is in here. So, uh, I see some of that in the chat. If you want to drop stuff in the chat, we will try to get to that. Uh, but you know, if you want to ask a question, just, uh, pop up on stage here and we will call you up one at a time and, uh, get through as many as we can. All right. So let's, uh, try to. Get it started and see how we go. Let's start right up here at the top and bring Jared R. up onto the stage. Jared, how are you? I was going to actually ask about this last week before the Hendrickson injury, and I know you kind of just went off about how well Hubbard's playing on the edge. Um, But I was kind of interested why they haven't kicked him inside at all. I mean, in the offseason, I assume that at some points they would have more of a pass rushing sub package where Osai would be on the edge uh, with with Hendrickson on the other side and then Hubbard in the middle. Of course, you have Hill and Reeder. um, But I don't know. I feel at times the push in the middle isn't as strong as, I guess, I anticipated. Um, So I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on that um, and just generally how you feel Osai will um, fill in for Hendrickson while he's out. Yeah, I thought we'd see more of that as well. And it, it seems like every time we talk to Lou, he's he's very uh, kind of measured in what he says about Osai. You know, he's fine. He's coming along. So far, so good. That type of thing. Nothing really glowing. And even going back to that that huge game that he had in that, that preseason opener when he got hurt as a rookie, they uh, a di- couple of coaches made the point of – uh, on one of them, he didn't even get blocked. And it, it just seems like maybe he's not come along as far. This is not a coaching stat. I mean, they will give praise uh, where they see it due. And they've, they've just kind of slow rolled uh, Osai. But the time for that is done now. And he is going to have to be called on more. But I'm with you. I, I Sam... Uh, did that a lot his rookie year would kick inside and he's been effective and we've seen him drop and we've seen him play that that middle linebacker spot that that for the first time last year at Pittsburgh that led to the Logan Wilson interception and um, I just I thought they'd move him around a little bit more but I, I think they maybe it's as Paul said he's been so good coming off the edge this year that they figure why mess with that yeah I'm, I, I agree Jay I mean I think that is kind of what it is is that you're talking about somebody who has just played really well and been so important in setting the edge and, and, you know, mentioned the pass rush numbers, even if it have been solid and they kind of did carve out that as a role for Osai. I mean, we've seen Osai be the one that ends up coming out of the middle and they've utilized yeah. Cam sample in that way. I, I think when you have these young guys that you want to keep them involved, you want to keep them in the mix and so, because when you need them, when you need the role to expand, like Osai's going to, and even Sample is going to now, I think you'll see both. Um, when you have that happening, you need them to already kind of be part of it. And I think that was a way for them to get those guys involved, coming in on these pass rush packages, running from the interior, and, and rather than move Sam. So I think that's why it hasn't happened. Um, it's kind of about trying to keep everybody in the mix as part of that 
that rotation. But yeah, I, I did at one point. I thought that we might see a little bit more of it, but I think they've opted to use the young guys as a way to use that to find them a spot. So, all right, let's uh, let's move on to Ben D and bring Ben up onto the stage. What's up, Ben? Uh, not too much. I guess like to sort of get an, another angle of this like next guy up injury uh, story storyline i suppose um i'm curious from you guys like which of like the next guys up like the trenton irwins or the camp taylor brits like in this middle part of the season where we've seen injuries kind of become an issue who do you guys think has like made the most impact just because whenever you know you guys ask about it in press conferences of joe burrow or zach taylor there's always kind of a uh, just general thumbs up. It's like, yeah, guys are doing doing great, doing their job. So, like, more specifically, what do you guys like? Seasons you're around these guys all the time. Uh, I think Mitch Wilcox deserves a lot of credit. It's just been one game since Hayden Hurst has been out. But let's not forget, you know, Drew Sample went out a long time ago, and and Mitch has been a really solid back up there at tight end um and i think you have to give a lot of credit to jay Tefele too i mean no one's gonna be as good as dj reader but he kind of he held that spot down when it wasn't just reader down it was josh tupo down as well that was a really important role uh for him for him to come in and they, they weren't the same run defense when he was in there obviously but it it never got into that that danger zone where they were just getting thrashed they were giving up some yards and um you know cleveland got him in that monday night game but it wasn't it wasn't the big chunks it wasn't these these gash plays that you thought might happen with dj out um and then i i i would say those two are the main ones i think trent Irwin deserves a lot of credit too. the 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 way that he's carved out a role for himself as a backup on this team and um, coming off the practice squad now being a full member of the 53 there's a there's a lot of these role guys that have been thrust in and none of them are are guys that have you would say have earned the right to be starters yet but they've done exactly what you need them to do when they are called on and that's not to make it glaring the the difference once the starters out yeah, I would say, I mean, I think Trent Irwin, I, I, I mean, he, he basically shipped off Mike Thomas. I mean, they, yeah. at, at, he played so well and Thomas struggled taking on the bigger role. And so they get Irwin in and, and Joe Burrow's heaping praise on him every single time a microphone's in front of him. And you're seeing the trust level. What is it, man? If you're in this offense, if you're a receiver or a tight end, this offense, your only value your value is based in your trust level with number nine okay that is the currency here all right uh people will appreciate this you know on survivor your currency (laughs) is information and trust and here it's not information it's production and trust with number nine how have you developed that and he really trusts him I mean, he said it again yesterday. He's out here, that flea flicker. That is a route that every time they ran it in practice, T. Higgins ran it during the week. And Irwin previously filled in on the other side with Jamar Chase. He has to know all the spots. As a backup, you have to know every play at every spot. 
comes in in one of the biggest spots of the game. They get exactly what they want. Irwin runs it perfectly, even though, you know, it was a T Higgins route in practice and there he puts the dime on him for, you know, the, the most perfectly executed flea flicker you've ever seen. Well, a part of that goes back to Irwin. I think he is going to be around here. Yeah. You know, he will be around next year. He is a confident number four or five type guy that is going to stick around because his trust level with Burrow is what can help get you through. Um, so for that, I, I would, I would answer Irwin um, to that question with, I don't know if you're counting Cam Taylor Britt in there, um, but what he has kind of done in his opportunity, I think is notable too. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's go and let's take next in line here. Let's go to uh, Matt W. Matt W., what's going on? Hey, guys. I have a question hey. about special teams. Uh, one thing that I've noticed with Evan McPherson is on the kickoffs, he's not exactly booming it out of the back of the end zone anymore. And uh, there, a lot of times they'll land at like the one or two yard line. I didn't know if this is something they're doing intentionally trying to get, you know, the, the least amount of return yards, you know, trying to tackle them around the, the 15 to 20, or um, if, if there's something that they've changed that that's, that's causing these short kickoffs. Well, I remember talking to Darren Simmons earlier this year about Chris Evans, not getting, chances um and and he said they're gonna come because when the weather starts to get cold it gets windy and it it does get harder to kick the ball farther but you still i I think this is by design more so than a a product of 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 the weather and it being harder to kick it long because you look in most of it it was the kansas city game where it was really noticeable and i just think they've got a rookie back there in Pacheco returning kicks and the Bengals saw an opportunity maybe to, to capitalize on a rookie making some mistakes and kick it short, see if they can punch a ball out. Anytime you can get a, a short field, a quick change like that against Patrick Mahomes, it's going to be huge. Um, in, in most of the other games, he's not booming them out of the back of the end zone, but he's still getting touchbacks pretty regularly. And if it's, he just has such a powerful leg. And if it's not getting to the end zone, it just, it, you have to assume it's, it's by design. Now the Pittsburgh game, there was some, there were a few that didn't get to the end zone and that was crazy windy. And that was the coldest game they played into that point. So I think that did play some a role there, but for the most part, uh, he's still been getting a lot of touchbacks. And um, I, I think that it's other than, that, that Kansas City game, that, that one seemed like it was more by design to try to, to limit the, the returns and, and possibly get a turnover. Yeah, I think a lot, you know, what happens, what do we see all the time um, on, the, on these returns, punt returns, kick returns, flags, holding? Yeah. It happens so often. If you have confidence in your coverage group, You've got a kicker who can get you extra hang time and kind of start getting good at getting it to, you know, come down in that between that five and the goal line. You know, 
you, you there you have a chance you open up the opportunity to get them deep pinned to have them start at their 10 or whatever if you get a holding call or inside it maybe if you get a good play i i think it's confidence in his coverage group to to do everything correctly and, and try to go make a play and really they've had a few that have kind of gotten out on them and i mean evans yeah. had to make the tackle but i mean for the most part they've been pretty good to where i think he's just confident uh, with that, I do think it's by design. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Let's go up next in line here uh, and bring Aaron B up. Uh, what's up, Aaron? Hey, not much. Um, I have a run pass or boot for you guys. All right, uh, awesome. That I think is fun. Um, run pass or boot. Bengals Twitter, Bengals Reddit, and Bengals Facebook. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it, Aaron. Okay. So, well, I mean, I'll say this. I will, I will run with Bengals Twitter as much as, um, (laughs) as much as that place, uh, can be very frustrating environment. Um, I enjoy it. I enjoy the back and forth that happens on there a lot. I like, I like it during games. Um, just to see the ridiculousness and it often gives back uh, more than it takes away. So I, and I have sort of cur- I've curated my experience a little bit uh, <laughs> with between mutes and blocks to make sure that I have just the right, uh, the right stew of, of people that I can tolerate uh, on there. So I'll take, I'll run with Bengals Twitter. Um, I will pass on Bengals Reddit, uh, because occasionally they'll give you news. Like occasionally Bengals Reddit will just come up with something out of nowhere where, you know, I remember that like during the chase thing or yeah. weird stuff comes out of Bengals Reddit. I'm not on there anywhere near as often as the others, uh, or uh, as Twitter, but, um, I, I, I do go in there sometimes and you never know what you'll see. Facebook is just a weird, there's just, it's just weird. There's just, those groups, there's a lot of weird stuff happening in the Facebook groups. I, uh, my old partner, Jim Ozarski, when, and when we would, we had a, a meeting about social media at one point, we we're talking about stuff we wanted to do. He's like, man, these Facebook groups, it is just that, that rock that you kick over that you did not know existed. And like, <laughs> you never know what animals are going to come out or bugs are down there. And it's just, it's just, it's a weird, the Facebook group is weird for me. I, I try to stay away from Facebook in general. Yeah, that's just it. I, I, I never get on Reddit. If you, Paul's right, you know, news will break sometimes and you get pointed to it. Uh, but I never just intentionally go to Reddit and I, I swore off Facebook a couple of years ago. Every now and then I'll get on there. I'll post a concert photo or video or something like that. Or if, if somebody tags me, I'll click it to see what that was about. I might do a quick scroll, but. Just the whole, the whole political climate just totally turned me off of, of Facebook. And I, it was just everybody fighting. I just got out of there. So it's, it's, it's all Twitter for me. Uh, I want to go into the chat here, um, real quick. Uh, let's see. There's a couple to dog. Let's just do this. Rob J. What is this Pratt thing about? There's a bunch of Pratt talking here. We should address it. Um, it, all we know is what is what's out there um it's a the timing of this is extremely weird um but he had a tweet after the game yesterday that was basically saying i need to be out there on third downs it's costing me money 
Um, Jermaine Pratt is coming up on the end of his contract. This is going to be, he'll, you know, the time for him to make the money for his life. And we've talked about how well he's been playing in this contract year on this contract run. And so it's like, okay, what is he talking about? Is he talking about money on the floor, right? That's like the, the whole thing with turnovers they have on defense. Well, then he scrubs the, which is like the international sign now for frustrating with my organization. He scrubs his socials of all things Bengals. So his Instagram doesn't have any more Bengals stuff on it. Uh, he's just an athlete and all that stuff. His, he is not, he doesn't play a lot on third downs. I mean, he, he, he's a first and second down linebacker for this team. And if you're not a three down linebacker in this league, that does cost you money. So that's where his frustration, I would assume, is coming from. He, I think that's obvious enough. The, the thing is, like, just handling it this way is costing you more money yes. being in on third down. And that's, I think, the issue here is you can feel that way. Go in and yell and scream at the head coach, the front office, at your position coach. Voice your frustration. I don't think they would have problems with that. Uh, the problem is when it goes this way, now you're hurting yourself in the free agent market. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's, it's almost like it's out of the Carlos Dunlap playbook, except not quite to that extreme yet. No, actually quite far from it. And we're, we're post trade deadline. Not that he's trying to get out, but it's just, it's not the way to go about things. And we, sometimes they have, they say things that are kind of cryptic and you're not really sure what they mean. This, this feels pretty straightforward. And as Paul said, the scrubbing of the, the Bengal stuff from the Instagram account, that's all curious. I, I, I'm surprised that someone in the organization has, if it is what we think it is, someone hasn't asked him to take down that tweet, but it's nothing's changed. You know, with Carlos, it was a drastic change. And that's not Pratt's never been a third down guy. Um, you know, it, I, it just, I don't know. It's, it's curious timing. You come off this huge win, um, great defensive performance. It's, it's the last thing anybody in that, in that building wanted to see last night on Twitter. Uh, I mean, so he, his play for snap percentage by down is first down 79%, second down 77%, third down 28 0.7%. Yesterday, now, this is probably a product of who they are playing. You're trying to stop Nick Chubb. You're focused on stopping the run. Uh, Pratt played 53% of the time. Maybe he's maybe he's just saying more of that, please. I'm proving yeah. you that I can do it. Whatever, that's fine. Um, but, you know, it, the, it suggests that there's an issue. But the bottom line is whatever, man. Like, Guys, this stuff happens all the time. It doesn't normally go public. There's frustrations internally. People are not happy with their roles. I mean, you you at a certain point, I, I don't know what this does for him now, other than he's just frustrated by the fact that he feels like he's good enough to be a three-down linebacker and it's costing him money. I, I don't know. I'm sure that it will be discussed. I'm sure he'll have conversations with people in the building about it. And we'll see how it comes out. We'll see if he wants to talk to us. Um, all of that will hash itself out this week. But, yeah, surprising. At this point, you, you see it when you're losing, right? When a team stinks. And trust yeah. me, I've seen this uh, during many a bad season. Like you, you, This stuff happens this time of year. When you're on a five-game winning streak, 
when everything seems to be going well, when he's playing his face off, honestly, um, a weird, weird timing is a thing on that, but, um, that's kind of where it's at. Um, right now let's go back up to the stage here. Ethan, are you with me? Do you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. What's going on, Ethan? So I typed it in the chat earlier, but I just had a question about BJ Hill. I feel like we haven't heard a lot about him this year in the three tech. I know that was a position we were worried about depth wise going into the year and he's stayed healthy to this point so far, but how's he been playing and what have you guys heard about him this year? I talked to BJ yesterday um, after the game for a little bit. It was certainly one of his best games of the year. I, you know, I think he's had some adjusting to do. Um, he's never had to play this much. I mean, I, I think I, I broke it down for maybe in a twib or something about two or three weeks ago, right before readers return, I went back through, you know, just his snap counts because Lou Anarumo was saying, look with these interior guys, I don't want them getting into 50 snaps a game. You know, he doesn't want them up in that 70, 75% plus 80%. But yet he kind of was forced to do that with BJ Hill because they just really didn't have any production happening elsewhere. And then reader went down and Tupo went down and he's playing a lot. And he's been a, small sample size guy his whole career. I mean, he was a rotational guy with the Giants and they traded for him here. Rotational guy with Larry Joby last year until the injury that happens in the playoffs. And so his first time having to play at that many snaps, I think you saw it. I think you saw some wear and tear. I think you saw he needs a rotational piece to kind of give him some relief out there. He hasn't really seen it. He's continued to play a lot. And I thought that was a big game for him yesterday because he did, he has played well. And I think you're seeing a little bit more of him starting to play like himself, but he's generally been overall pretty solid. But I just think if you can keep his snaps down a little bit more, you'll get a lot more out of him. And I think, you know, that's a, that's a big part of the adjustment year that you've seen for him. Yeah. He already has 659 sacks career high and there's snaps, still yeah. five games to go. And they just haven't gotten what they, what they were hoping for out of Zach Carter. They thought he was going to come along a little quicker and um, he, they have been working him in a little bit more, but uh, that's, if you see him start coming on and the light coming on for him, so to speak, I, I think you will see DJ get dialed back a little more in, in usage and, and it'll be a case of, of less is more where I, I think you will see better play if he's not, so high up there. I mean, 80% of the snaps this year, the previous career high was 59% his rookie year. It's just, that's a heavy load for that position. Yeah. And, and he, and he ended up playing 54 yesterday. And so, you know, look, it's, we're going to see how he holds on. I think they had interest in trying to supplement the position um, during the year. We're kicking the tires on people that were out there and looking at, waiver wires and free agency and things like that, but nothing was able to really come to fruition for them there uh, because I think they recognize that it's, this is pretty hard on BJ um, to try to keep up this level, but he's, he's hanging in there. He's not been quite the level of effectiveness that he was last year, but I, I think, you know, he's, he's hanging in there and maybe we see the uptick now um as the season wraps up good question let me let me pop back in the chat before we bring natasha in and we can wrap this up um let's see 
Sean P., what does Jonah Williams' inability to block Garrett make finding a new left tackle the biggest offseason priority? Uh, well, first of all, Jonah Williams is going to be here next year. His fifth-year option is fully guaranteed. Yeah. Um, they're paying him. <clears throat> so he's going to be here now. And I think he'll probably be playing left tackle or maybe there will be a draft pick there that's in the mix. I don't know what's going to happen there, but they're paying him and he's going to be here. What he can do with Miles Garrett, I, there's not a lot of people blocking Miles Garrett. Jonah Williams has certainly had his clock cleaned a little bit uh, by Garrett pretty almost every time they meet. There's no question. He's not alone in that. They need a lot more from Jonah Williams, but I'm not going to take necessarily being beaten consistently by Miles Garrett as, you know, a, a death knell for him. No, and I mean he's it's gotten better. The the pressure overall has 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 really decreased and um that's that's part of it that you know, I don't know that he's ever going to live up to that number 11 overall pick. Um at this point you wonder if if he is what he's going to be, but you're right. He's he's under a fully got guaranteed fifth year next year. He's going to be around and then you're you're talking about really hard decisions with you know they're going to be able to extend Jamar Chase that same offseason where where Jonah's going to be looking for a long-term deal they're already going to have Burrow under a long contract and presumably Logan Wilson and maybe T Higgins and uh yeah I do I think that they they ride this one more year with him uh possibly draft a, a young guy high next year that they can kind of start grooming under Jonah Williams and and go from there I I don't don't see him as a long-term solution here. Um, no, no, I don't see him as a long-term solution. No. Um, let's see. Let's go. Um, is that Jackson regretting waiting until yesterday to do the same <laughs> story? Crowd seemed pretty raucous. You would have thought there would be more interesting uh, stuff happening in Houston, but yesterday, you know, the, the no means no chant came out at one point yesterday. There were some signs. Uh, one made it on the CBS. Um, I think you're going to see more of that. And Bengals fans certainly um, were far more vocal and and obvious than anything you saw in Houston last week. Um, yeah, maybe it would have been, but this was also kind of a RIP to the Browns season yesterday. So uh, certainly a lot going on there in Zaxby. I do not envy. I do not envy him. I mean, back to back home games for Cleveland coming up. Then they go to Washington, who has that fan base has no right to point a finger anywhere. And then they close at Pittsburgh and maybe at Pittsburgh, it gets a little dicey. But yeah, I do think it'll. It'll die down. So it'll be interesting to see the two home games, uh, how the Cleveland crowd reacts to him. And not just the people in the stands, but if there's protests outside the stadium. Uh, this one from Jeff A. Is Chris Evans in the doghouse or is Trayvon Williams just better? Um, Trayvon Williams has been better. I think, mm-hmm. you know, they, I, I think the thing is they can get more out of him handing him the ball than Chris Evans. I think they like, they've liked the way that Trayvon has run with it when he's getting gotten his chances compared to all the chances they felt like Chris Evans got um, in preseason that they just, they just didn't see enough North South they needed. And obviously we've seen how important that is with this line and the way that they've changed their, 
run game around. It needs to be far more north south. And Evans is great as a receiver, but then here's Travion Williams, uh, you know, making a, a really nice catch in Tennessee. His hands have been pretty solid. You know, he's been solid on kick returns. So you don't feel like you're losing some something big there. Um, all of that, I think, combined to make him, you know, kind of hop him in the uh, in the order. And when Mixon came back, that meant uh, inactive for Chris Evans, but there's still a role for him. Obviously. I mean, he came and he caught the game, the game winning touchdown against the chiefs. So, uh, if they need him, he's there. But for now, I just think that he's been really happy with, with what Travion has been able to do this year. Yeah, I totally agree there. Um, let's see, let's, uh, let's do one more. See if I can find, we'll take this non-football here and then I'll go to the, <laughs> uh, so, Eric asked sort of a non-football question. How awesome is your jobs? You guys are behind the scenes in the locker room asking Joe Burrow a question. What's it like? Do you cut up with the players? Or does it always be professional? Are you ever starstruck? Take us behind the curtain. Well, I'll, I, I'll start by saying this, and then I'll let Jay take it. Our jobs are awesome. I remember I try to remind myself every day um, that this is a job I've always wanted. I love it. Um, I can't imagine doing anything else and feel very lucky that this is the job I've been doing covering this team. It's my 13th season. I'm very, I I love it. Um, It is some days still a job or they wouldn't call it that. Uh, So there's days, some days are better than others, but uh, like anything, but yeah, I, I try to always remember how much I do love the job. There's not, you know, the, the cutting up and the starstruck thing, and that that's not really I mean, it is a it's a professional environment for them and a professional environment for us. And the only way you know to treat that is is by trying to establish trust in the way that you you know, you're not they, we're not friends. I mean, they're, they're not going to look at us. They don't look at us as friends. You can develop those relationships to be really good, but they know what our job is. And there's you know, you're you're not that's it's just a very different um it's a very different environment um than the idea that we're in there trying to be their friends and buddy up to them because that doesn't allow us to really do our job the right way yeah that that's exactly it and and you're right about you know kind of pinching yourself that this is your job that my go-to line when anybody finds out what i do and they ask me what it's like i always say it beats working for a living and it it does. It, I mean, it is work. It, it is it is hard at times. But it's there's a lot of people out there that that have much harder jobs. Um, and I, I do. I am I am so glad that I number one chose this line of work, and number two chose to come to the athletic uh, after being in newspapers all those years. It's been terrific, and there. The, the thing about the, the relationships with the players is it's it's about building trust more so than than friendship because number one most of these guys are thirty years younger than me I don't have a lot of friends anywhere that are the age of these players so that's that's not going to happen but I do enjoy there is a little bit of cutting up it's a professional environment but there are guys that are looser to talk to. And we had an example of this uh, last night after the game where there's a big scrum of reporters around Jamar Chase asking all these questions about his touchdown and everything. And then 
Jeff Hobson was talking to somebody else on the other side of the, the locker room and he comes over and he asked Jamar a question about his touchdown. He's like, come on, Jeff, where have you been? I've been answering all kinds of questions about this already. And he starts kind of busting his chops a little bit and everybody laughs. And I mean, that, those are, that's about as, as cutting up as it gets. Um, but it is fun when that happens that they, you feel like they do trust you enough to to have some levity and to crack some jokes at your expense and it, it kind of it goes both ways um but yeah it's I, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what the job is so i, I think it's great that that you asked that question so we could kind of clear some of that up um but i would i would not want to do any other job yeah well I'll, I'll just say one last thing and we'll move on but like i, I do think you know humor and levity and keeping it light is a interview technique is yeah. is a way to build relationships so uh, this is not me saying i show up and like tell me about your play on the you know the third <laughs> series and the fourth snap what well, it's uh, that is i mean that is a part of it's part of who i am and it's part of the way i try to conduct any interview so i guess i don't think of that necessarily as as cutting up so, so you know in that in that respect but either way um you know they i think that you're just trying to create whatever the the most comfortable environment you can for these players with them knowing who you are and you knowing what they are and, and so that they will relax around you. And uh, so that's, that's kind of a, a, the biggest part, but it's not easy to do, man. Players are, players are, they are groomed now to not trust media that is ingrained in them from the time that they were first recruited as a freshman in high school and got burnt by some, you know, 24 seven recruiter guy, right. <laughs> or something like that. It happens to all these guys along the way. So by the time they reach here and they feel like they have their own platforms, they instantly have that complete lack of trust. So they, they're not as interested uh, in, in those relationships either. <laughs> so there's a lot, it's, it's uh it tends to be quite complicated. Uh, let's go ahead and, and wrap it up. Jay, uh, I'm getting, I'm, I'm starting it's giving in I can feel that I got to go back to the honey bear. I got to go back to the honey bear. That, you know, let's wrap it up. Let's, let's go to Natasha B. Uh, Natasha, how are we doing out there in Hawaii? Oh, hey, there we go. Oh, there it is. I knew Paul needed Natasha? to hear the ocean. Uh, <laughs> thank you for uh, getting up early and going out to the ocean uh, for us. It makes our day. So I wanted to talk a little bit about coaching. I just feel like the Bengals have been looking so good on offense that I, don't, I mean, nationally, I don't know, other podcasts I listen to, people read Zach Taylor. They do not think he's a good coach, but I just want to give him his props. They have looked awesome, and even especially with the injury, it's just, that's good coaching, too. That's the backups being prepared, but that's part of coaching. And I just kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on how the coaching has been, and special teams, which normally everyone talks glowingly about Darren Simmons, but it seems like special teams has been a struggle, and I was kind of wondering what you guys thought on that. And just one last thing, Paul mentioned how Joe Burrow sighs in his press conferences. I can't unhear it. It's all I hear <laughs> in his press conferences. So I wanted to know, do you think he sighs more or says better and better more? Because he always says better and better. So just wondering, but... Thanks for powering through, Paul. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Natasha. I, 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 we should put a counter on it and see if he says better and better, more size, more. Um, I, I, I think Zach 
doesn't get the credit he deserves. And yeah, he's not, he's, I don't know if he's in that elite range or very good. I don't know how you want to put what tier you want to put him in, but they've built something really pretty special here. And, And he's the point man for most of it. And I just, I, I am surprised. And I guess that kind of comes with, with drafting a, a quarterback that has been such a difference maker in Joe Burrow. But, but how many great coaches out there haven't had a good quarterback? You know, would Bill Belichick be Bill Belichick without Tom Brady and on and on and on? Um, and let's not forget too that this is, this is Zach's fourth year as a head coach at any level. I mean, he's still young in the grand scheme of things. He's still learning uh, the, the job. There's new things that come along all the time. I, I, I do think that that he gets shortchanged sometimes in in terms of what what this the job he's done, what they've built. Uh, I, I think a lot of people sometimes can't separate play caller from head coach. And uh, a lot of the beef with him is as a play caller, which is the case anywhere you go. It seems like every fan base is fed up with their play caller, no matter how well they're playing. So I just, I think it all comes with it. Uh, but I, it is a good point by Natasha that I, it, it feels like he gets more criticism than other coaches who have taken a team to a Super Bowl and who are as hot as this team is right now. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll kind of piggyback on that in a way. I I think I hope people listened when we had Nate Tice on um, last week because he talked about how fascinating it has been to watch this Bengals team evolve on the fly and understand tendencies and and call call and execute tendency breakers and and keep defenses off balance and and change who they are midway through and be a lot of different things at different points this year trying to find what works just right and to have now found this and this run that they're currently on it was one of the most efficient top offenses in football from where they were early in the season I mean that's coaching that's that's a willingness to change that is uh a bunch of people on your staff with really great ideas. That's Dan Pitcher and Brian Callahan and Troy Walters. I mean, the job he has done um, in the different receivers that have had to step in. I mean, in, in having guys like Trent Taylor and Trenton Irwin ready to come in and make plays and the continued rise of T Higgins. I mean, all these, these guys are talented, but there's a lot of talented people in the NFL. The, as the, the growth that you continue to see goes back to the entire coaching staff. And those are guys that Zach Taylor hired. And I think the culture thing speaks for itself. There's so much to, is it quarterback? Is it head coach? It's going to be an age old debate. It's going to be the Belichick Brady conundrum forever. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. what deserves more, but that, and that's fine. Um, if people want to give bro all the credit, I, I get it. Um, but he, the culture thing is real. They do have an environment that guys do seem to love coming to special team stuff certainly has been surprising. Uh, yeah, without question. I don't think that's, that's been the one thing where that's just not been characteristic of Darren's teams. And clearly uh, right now 
it's it's an issue that they're still trying to work out. Yeah, and, and you know he is going to work as hard as anybody to get it fixed. And this isn't anything new. I mean, it's a young a young group he has, but that happens every year where there's injuries and new guys have to step into new roles, and he does get it figured out. Yeah, well, he needs to. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> it's been going on way too long. They're far too far into the season for this to continue to be happening. So, a lot of pressure in that room for him to get it figured out pretty quickly. So, all right, thanks everybody for hopping in the live room. Really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with our regular spot. Hear that podcast, Fallon. Uh Really excited. Special guests. We're going to kind of take a quick look ahead at Burrow Brady. And as part of this week's conversation, we thought who else would be better to do that um, than bringing in former Tom Brady teammate for a long time, won Super Bowls with him and worked at LSU uh, during the years Joe Burrow was there, friends with him. Pretty much the ultimate intersection of Tom Brady and Joe Burrow. Kevin Falk, uh, who played for the Patriots for 13 seasons and was on the LSU staff uh, during Burrow's run. Will, we've actually already recorded it, uh, so you'll see that tomorrow. Keep an eye for that on the YouTube page. It'll be part of tomorrow's podcast. Uh, So I hope you come back for that, plus some of our other regular segments uh, that are always so much fun. Hopefully my voice hangs on. I made it through this today, so I feel like I'm... You did. We'll see. All right, more honey for me. I'll talk to you guys later. Uh, Have a good one, everybody.